What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three boys that love a good soak in a back to tank with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and this show supports baths, so I'm on board. I'm Keith Baker, and I was hoping Sebulba would make an appearance. And I'm Austin Terry. And has de-aging technology only gotten worse? On today's show, we'll be talking about the Book of Boba Fett's full first season. But before we revisit the deserts of Tatooine, I gotta know, guys, what would your preferred form of employment be to make it in Mos Eisley? I would run an astronomy center to show the creators of Star Wars how big the galaxy is and how much we do not need to return to this planet. Okay, well, then I have to go next because mine is kind of <laughs> similar. Mine was I would be a travel agent so I could show the people of Tatooine that they should go literally to any <laughs> other planet. <laughs> Anywhere else. I've heard Arrakis is nice. Oh, there you go. There's no sights to see in Mos Eisley or Mos Espa. We've seen them all over the years, Keith. We've seen them all. <laughs> you could go visit the Tusken Raider mass grave site that Anakin Skywalker left. That's a tourist trap. Beggar's Canyon. We can go over there, too. Oh, we've been there plenty of times, Keith. <laughs> well, we need to go there again. Well, we did. Yes. <laughs> I, but we need to go back. <laughs> oh, man. I think I would be a power converter mechanic. Mm. Those are in high demand. Well, I mean, Luke was saying him and his buddies are going to be hanging out there. I'm like, if everybody's hanging out there, that's got to be the place making the most money. Yeah. I want to know where Biggs like, where did he hang out? Biggs must have been a mechanic of some sort. Or he's just one of those guys carrying, like, water jugs through the town, which I kept wondering what that was. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. <laughs> they really lost the uh, water as a resource storyline mm, the they, <laughs> they may have lost more than that. But, uh, all right, let's go ahead and, with that, get into the topic of today's show. Boba Fett has long been hailed as one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. His design, signature voice, and mysterious motivations during the events of Empire and Return of the Jedi cemented him among young and old Star Wars fans' minds alike. After his unceremonious death in Return of the Jedi, and a not-so-special showing in Attack of the Clones, the question of whether or not this character needed to be explored at all in detail was brought up. Once Disney bought Star Wars and started producing side stories like Rogue One and Solo, a Boba Fett film was greenlit with Logan's James Mangold on board. After Solo failed to the box office, though, Boba made his way into the second season of The Mandalorian, played by Jango Fett actor Tamara Morrison. His return was praised as saying true to their character while utilizing him in a fun and exciting way, but now he's been given his own show where he and Fennec Shand have to hold the story up without The Mandalorian by their side. Did Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni go too far with this idea? Maybe Boba should have remained a side character in The Mandalorian? Maybe not. That's what we're going to discuss here today. Austin and Keith, remind me about how you felt about Boba in season two of The Mandalorian, and what are your non-spoiler thoughts on the book of Boba Fett now that we've seen the finale? So his introduction to Mando, I thought was badass. While I was a little bit confused by why he was wearing what he was wearing and why he was acting the way he was acting at some times, we did get some explanations in this season of Boba. Um, and I did like the reintroduction of the Slave One ship, my favorite ship uh, throughout Star Wars. So I thought that was really cool. Going into Boba, oh man, it was good to be it was good to be back at Star Wars. I don't know about you guys, but for me it was fun. I think starting off, I was a little hesitant of where the direction of the show was going to go. We'll get into it later, but it kind of started off a little bit slow for me. But I did like that we did get some explanations of and some some things I was really wanting to get out of it. Um, and then going throughout the show, we had some badass action that I really enjoyed. Got some more character development with Boba, I guess you could say, into his older years. But then going into the ending. I am a little lower than the rest of the season. There were some things that I thought they were going to conclude that they really didn't, and it kind of just didn't end off 
on a high note for me. So that's kind of where I'm at. I thought 80% of the show was terrible. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, I, I've always questioned like when they announced the show if Boba Fett had enough content there to support an entire show. I think he's great as a side character, and that's actually why I enjoyed him in Mando season two. I thought he was a great, I thought he was great in a support role, and they found really interesting ways to work him into the story. I don't think they had enough substance here in a full season of Boba Fett. And I think they realized that going into the show uh, with some of the choices they chose to make and who they chose to involve in the story, I don't feel like I learned anything new, one, about Star Wars or about like Boba Fett as a whole from the show. Everything interesting that I felt like happened in the show happened with other characters, and I'm excited to talk about those moments. But with Boba Fett specifically, I think he's so tied to the original movies that I kind of wanted him to be more involved in the broader remnants of the Empire story or the New Republic story. Like, I think that could have been a really cool, cool way to use his character. Um, I know I'm like the anti-Tatooine guy, but I do think the setting really hurt this show. I think they could have taken us to more fun places in the galaxy than Tatooine. Um, so overall, I think I'm, I'm pretty low on the show. Um, but there were some fun moments with other characters that I did really enjoy. Yeah, I guess maybe this is an instance where I find myself in the middle. But I still, I don't know. I think there are a lot of highs in this show. Um, and I think those highs were really great. And then the lows, I think the worst I can say is that they were just boring. And I find this show absolutely fascinating because... I don't know what it means for the future of Star Wars in terms of how they're going to make their upcoming Disney Plus shows. Like whenever they announced Ahsoka, is that show only going to be about Ahsoka or does it now have to be about the larger Star Wars universe? Because watching Boba Fett, I thought we were going to get just a Boba Fett story and kind of like without spoiling anything like you hinted at Austin, they made some choices that maybe made what could have been a really interesting smaller story where we could have learned more about Boba and Fennec Shand into they had to cram it into the larger Star Wars and Mando universe. And I don't know how I felt about that. I think whenever they brought in some characters, um, they did some really good stuff with them. But it constantly in the back of my head, I was like, wow, I'm really loving what they're doing with X character. Oh, wow, that's really cool. That storyline with Y character. But it's called the Book of Boba Fett, and he's kind of the one that gets the least amount to do. And they set up some cool stuff in the beginning, kind of like you said, Keith, with some of the flashbacks and then just some of like the present day story, what they were doing in Mos Espa. But then it just kind of gets lost. And like you said, also, the finale doesn't resolve a lot of it. So while I did like a lot of the show and I think Tamara Morrison and Ming-Na Wen are great, really like them in Star Wars and I want to see more of them. I just don't know if the format of them leading a show is the way to do it after watching these seven episodes. We're, obviously, we're going to get into spoilers here in a second, but it's called The Book of Boba Fett, and Boba Fett is not in two episodes of his seven-episode show. And so they made some really interesting choices, I thought, with who they chose to involve. And kind of like you said, Matt, the characters that they brought in, that's who I was more interested in, unfortunately. I was curious to see if they could make me care about Boba Fett in this show. And ultimately, I really didn't, because I just am not bought into his storyline. I was kind of questioning everything he was doing in this season and the choices he was making. I think I came away... Um, I came away feeling lower on Boba Fett than I did coming out of Mandalorian season two. And I definitely was not expecting that coming into the show. It's like the first half of this season, they really did a good job of bringing Boba in and explaining everything about him. And then after maybe episode three or four, they're just like, okay, that's all, that's all you get for him. That's all they had enough of. Yeah. Story-wise, yeah. And then they just moved into other characters and he's just kind of on the sidelines at that point. 
Yeah. And the stuff I find interesting about Bobo, like his ties to the clones, this like badass bounty hunter who in a way went toe to toe with Skywalker. He's now just a warlord who's trying to replace Jabba the Hutt. And that's not the stuff about the Boba Fett character that I want to explore. I, I kind of want to explore the stuff from the original movies. Yeah, I think fair enough. That's a really good point. We'll definitely talk about that more. But I do think we're kind of teetering on spoiler mode right now. So let's go ahead and drop the official spoiler warning. It sounds like we got an interesting conversation on our hands. Keith was pretty high on the show. Austin was pretty low on the show. And I think I'm kind of in the middle. So you get three different takes here. So if you haven't finished the book of Boba Fett on Disney+, Plus, go check out those seven episodes and then come on back because we're about to get into all of our thoughts. I hope you're not a Fennec Shan fan because she's not in the show. <laughs> oh, God. That was a <laughs> Alrighty, guys, here we are. We're in spoiler territory. Let's do our classic rundown. After killing Bib Fortuna upon returning to Tatooine, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand attempt to make a name for themselves in the galaxy's underworld by taking over the territory once controlled by Jabba the Hutt. And just like the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett is created by Jon Favreau. Uh, he also wrote every episode along with Dave Filoni for episode six. This season saw episodes directed by Steph Green. Kevin Tanturin, Bryce Dallas Howard, Dave Filoni, and Robert Rodriguez. And our score is composed by Joseph Shirley, along with the main Boba Fett theme, composed by Ludwig Gorenson. All right, and going into our cast, we have Tamara Morrison, of course, returning as Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen returning as Fennec Shan, Jennifer Beals as Garza Fwip, David Puquesi as Twi'lek Majordomo, Corey Burton as Cad Bane, and Pedro Pascal is returning as Din Djarin. We also have several actors returning from The Mandalorian. Emily Swallows as The Armorer. Amy Sedaris as Pelimoto. Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth. Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. And your favorite Austin, Mr. Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Except not really, because they're doing... <laughs> yeah. They're de-aging him with, a va- with an actor, and they're also like like morphing his voice with the actual voice actor. That, it's weird. I read some things that he didn't... Again, might not be true, but I saw some reports that like it isn't actually him recording any dialogue. It was like a weird automated thing where they were somehow able to take pieces of dialogue he had said when he was younger and then somehow morph it into this. So, I mean, I know this is usually where we talk about our thoughts, Keith, on, you know, the actors and actresses, but uh, he, Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker sounded uh, very robotic here, a little devoid of emotion in terms of how he was speaking, I thought. Yeah, Keith, I know you're gonna I know you're about to ask us about our highlights, and just as a little teaser, Mark Hamill is not a highlight for me in this show. Well yeah, let's get into it. So there's the cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What you guys got? All right, I'll throw an easy one out there. I'm not sure how you guys feel because we've never really talked about this person before. But I feel like whenever we talked about the Mandalorian, whenever we were doing our season two episode by episode reviews, I was always saying, like, ah, this is the perfect time. You know, we're in quarantine. Especially back then, we were at the height of quarantine. There's nothing to do. And I was like, I'm going to finally watch Star Wars Rebels. I'm going to watch Clone Wars. Still haven't gotten around to it. But upon meeting Cad Bane, I definitely want to because Corey Burton, guys, this guy has one of the coolest voices I've ever heard. Like, I got to go find out where this character came from. He was great, I thought. I'm super curious about that character. And just like we were about Ahsoka and everybody else that made an appearance in Mandalorian Season 2. 
As for a highlight, I'll take the really easy one, and that's Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. He's great every time he appears. Um, it's really fun to have him involved in this show. I think we can debate how much involvement we wanted from him, but from what we got from his voice acting and his just appearance as a character, thought he was great in Boba Fett. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll shout out a positive to him as well, and I'll also shout out a positive to Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett. Wow, we just kind of prefaced with what our thoughts were on his character. I, yeah, I think he was written mostly wrong in this show. Um, <laughs> but I think Timur Morrison as an actor, though, played him well. And I think he kind of kept up with the consistent, I guess, characteristics of Boba Fett, but kind of in an older age. So I, I liked what he kind of did with the character. I think that's a good point, Keith, because Timur Morrison throughout his career has kind of never been given, like, he's always been kind of a side actor. So it's cool to see him kind of get a, a full show that's his and i was honestly curious if he could carry it and i actually thought i don't like what they did with the story and everything but i i didn't think any of the issues came from his acting no not definitely not i think it's sad that i mean the big teaser for this show is the mandalorian season two post credit scene which showed uh boba killing big fortuna and then sitting in jabba the hut's throne with fennec shan pouring a drink and sitting behind him it was this badass moment and the two people that we want more of, I would say, in this show is them. Uh, I agree. I think Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett is great. He gives a great performance here. And Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, also great. Just really kind of puzzled. And I know we keep teasing him, but we'll get into it. But uh, there should have been more of them. And uh, kind of a shame. Do you guys want to get right back into that subject we were talking about with Mark Hamill's animation? I'll go ahead and start by saying I think that the de-aging CGI looked slightly better than he did in Mandalorian, but the voice, like you said, Matthew, was not that great. Like, it, it sounded very robotic, like, don't worry, the Force is with you. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah. But his face looked better, I thought. You could actually, like, see the pores in his face, whereas the Mandalorian, he looked kind of plasticky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think it looked better. Um, I actually will say, like, in the first scene we got of him, whenever I believe he and Grogu are sitting across from each other and they're meditating... Like, whenever it first cut to his face, I have to be honest, my jaw dropped a little bit. I was like, wow, that looks incredible. And there were a lot of really strong moments. I still think nobody's managed to, with our current de-aging tech, to nail mouth movements. And whenever you see teeth shine through, it's very jarring. And then, in general, whenever he was kind of sitting still and in these quiet moments, he looked fantastic. It looks literally like... When he's still. Yeah. When he's still, that's the key. It looked like... But as soon as he moved, it's like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> it looked like like literally like a follow-up of Return of the Jedi, except this is so many years later. But yeah, the second he's like walking and moving, it's like, okay, it's a little bit of the uncanny valley. And it's like, look, what can we do? I guess you can not put Luke Skywalker in the show and that solves it. But I did really like those scenes. So it's kind of a tough thing. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this while I was watching it, and I get that this would be out of context with the timeline and all that, but would anybody have been really that upset if just Mark Hamill was in the show and you kind of just suspend your disbelief for a sec and he's just there as his character, as this like current state and time? I mean, for the timeline, I think it works better with the CGI, but I see what you're saying because they could do some good makeup and like make his beard like darker or something like that. I think my middle ground take would be, I think I'm with you, Keith, that just because of the timeline and like they keep hitting it. This is like right after Return of the Jedi. I mean, the show shows something out of the Sarlacc pit. So I understand with the timeline they needed the CG, but I really feel like, sure, maybe he sounds a little bit older, but Mark Hamill can pitch his voice up. He's a professional voice actor. I think they just should have had him record all the lines and that would have been totally fine. Put a Mandalorian helmet on him. I didn't want the DA just face. <laughs> there you go. He just has a bag on his head the whole time. <laughs> 
Perfect. So I think that covers our thoughts on the cast and crew. So let's go ahead, my friends, and dive into more detail. It's time for our freeform discussion. We all brought some individual points that we were super interested, or I guess extra interested, in talking about in regards to this show. So I'll start with the easy one, of course, just some general thoughts. Any standout points about the season that you guys wanted to bring up that we haven't already mentioned now that we're opening things up to all the episodes, all of our thoughts, just anything random stand out to you? I thought the intro of the show was really great and then quickly went downhill for me. It was really fun to see him get out of the Sarlacc and have that question answered. So cool. But then when I realized we were actually going to spend a lot more time with him wandering the desert and like all the stuff he was up to before uh, The Mandalorian Season 2, I was not as interested in that. So what did you guys think about kind of like our introduction to the show? No, I agree. I think the Sarlacc Pit stuff was probably the most interesting stuff about the introduction. And I did did like him going to live with the Tusken Raiders, which kind of explained his whole like martial arts thing with the staff thing and the Mandalorian, but that did kind of go on a little bit too long for me. Way too long. I don't want to call it an editing problem, but I really think the first episode of the show could have been so strong. Can you imagine an episode like, it's like, oh my God, what's the book of Boba Fett going to be? I've been waiting an entire year since Mandalorian season two where they tease this. And then it's just like a dark screen. They do all like the bullshit Lucasfilm intros, just completely black. It's like, what's happening? And then slowly you realize the episode is starting inside the Sarlacc pit. And then the the scene of him getting out is the first scene of the show. And then maybe have it be chronological. Have like the first episode kind of throw you off guard where he gets out of the Sarlacc pit and then he's taken in by the Tusken Raiders. And at first, of course, you know, it's like really antagonistic. But then by the end of that first episode, he's totally on board with them and then witnesses their deaths. And he's like completely traumatized by it. And then maybe the very end of that episode can be him coming out of the back to tank and you realize, oh, it's a flashback. And now we're finally back in Jabba's palace whenever they tease that at the end of Mandalorian, because that would have been much stronger to me because the idea of like the first three episodes of the show, like almost half the show, just continuously being interrupted by him needing to get into the back to tank. And that's the only time he experienced like these weird flashbacks and dream sequences it just felt like they could have edited it and made it a bit tighter, and they could have consolidated the entire Tusked Raider story into the first episode. I think we would have cared more because it would have been cleaner, a bit more straightforward, and by the end, we probably would have been more attached. And then at the same time, he wakes up and like, oh, okay, now we're back into like the present day Book of Boba Fett story. The fact that they had to keep cutting back to it got really old really fast. And did the present day stuff just feel... Like, really inconsequential to yep. you guys about who gets control of Tatooine or Moss Eisley? I feel like that could have been so cool. But because they kept doing the flashbacks, it's like they made it feel inconsequential. The idea of, like, a Sopranos-type story with Boba Fett leading the crime families of Tatooine with Fennec Shan by his side is awesome. The idea of them not trusting him at all, being scared of him because they know his reputation, and then slowly, maybe he kind of builds a rapport with them and then... Who knows what that leads to? I mean, that sounds really cool. I think that could have been great. It's just that the flashbacks and the Mandalorian teases had to take it over. I mean, because now that I'm talking about it, the flashbacks went past episode three, remember? Wasn't it like episode four that was almost completely the flashback of how he and Fennec Shand met? I understand we didn't see them meet. It was implied uh, because they just show up in Mando season two and they're like buddies. But I mean, we're not idiots. I mean, we get it. It's like... They linked up at some point, and that was good enough for me. And if you want to do like a quick flashback, cool. But an entire another flashback episode where it just shows their relationship, it's like, 
yeah, I like these actors. I like that they're having scenes. But again, we should have spent more time in the present day because the whole idea of him being the new person in charge was kind of the premise. And they really dropped the ball with that. I'm realizing something drastic as we're recording. I don't think I saw episode four of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look up like the premise of it while <laughs> I was talking? I was on IMDb while you were talking, Matt, and uh, oh, no. I didn't see any of that. Wow. Oh, okay. Shit. I don't want to, and I'm realizing I'm now going to have to go back after this after this recording and watch another episode of the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 probably honestly it's it's some of the best dialogue and character stuff in the show, but it's just it's edited into such a weird place. Like over halfway through the show, that's where they put that in. That could have been at the beginning of the show to set it up, but instead, it's like just ruining the pacing of the modern day story. So, did they do a good job in this show of justifying why? Boba Fett so desperately wants to keep control of Mos Espa. Because at his core, he is a bounty hunter, but he's very set on kind of bringing peace to Tatooine. I mean, I, he, does, he does explain like why he wants to retire. Honestly, that was the reason for the flashbacks. Uh, as many of them as there were, they were trying to set up, oh, he's changed because he's met these people, and now he wants to do better to Mos Espa than Jabba did. So it's pretty weak. Um, I think I would disagree with Austin a little bit that I had no interest in seeing him like, well, I shouldn't say no interest. I mean, if they made like a Boba Fett show where he's a little bit younger doing the bounty hunting stuff, that'd be awesome. I can't say that wouldn't be awesome. That'd be really damn cool. Um, yeah. And I don't want like a whole show of him bounty hunting, but he has so many ties to the clones and yes. to the original trilogy. Like I kind of, I honestly, I, I know we don't need everything to be connected to the broader Star Wars universe, but I, I did kind of want this to connect back to the to the earlier stuff and I want to see his ties to the remnants of the empire and how he feels about being the son of a clone and like that's the stuff I was wanting and I didn't yeah. get any of it from the show. Yeah. I agree with that. That I would have been interested to learn more about his feelings on that because he mentioned it in passing in Mando mm -hmm. where he ever he gets the armor back it's just like Jango Fett was my father and I'm a clone but I'm my own per like that kind of thing. So it would have been nice to get a little bit more. And he's clearly had like a long career as a bounty hunter. Um, he's he's been all over the place it seems like and so I, it could have been really fun they were like kind of go galaxy hopping in this show and maybe go to places we've seen in the older movies Camino I thought for sure we'd go to Camino they did in this flashbacks show to it they kept yeah. showing his dreams of like watching his dad fly away in the ship like yeah. I don't know maybe like for his emotional arc after teasing it in Mando season two I I'm not saying the show is worse that we didn't get it but I really thought we would go to Camino or something but we were on Tatooine the whole time. And did him kind of trying to vie for control of Mos Espa just feel like goofy to you guys? Like he gets this colorful moped gang to help him out and nobody trusts him and they're they're vying for water. But then that goes away and everyone's coming to pay tribute. And it's, it's Boba Fett sitting on the throne that they're paying tribute to. Like it just felt so clunky and weird to me. Yeah, I guess they're, it was more of like a convenience for him now. Like we said, like he's just like kind of old. He just got like a really good beating from the Starlight Pit and, and Luke and all those guys. His last job was delivering Han to Jabba's palace. He's, I guess he was just kind of like, I'm done. Let's see what I can do here and not have to go too far to do it. I just think it would have been really interesting to see Boba Fett have to vie for control of Tatooine and Mos Espa and watching him over the course of seven or so episodes actually achieve that. And what that means to him could have been, I think, a really good premise for a show because Again, while I think we're kind of all a little bit on different sides of like how much they needed to do the Tusken Raider stuff and like doing that. So it's like he goes from a bounty hunter to a better guy. But I did actually find I think Tamir Morrison played like those moments well where he 
is trying to take over this town, which in itself kind of sounds like a bad thing. But at every corner, whenever he's talking with Fennec, he's doing it for noble reasons. Like he does seemingly want to make this place better. And every time he learns about like the water situation, like the economical situation or whatever, he's like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, you know what? We have to do better. And then Fennec's like, Boba, it's not that easy. And he's like, no, we have to. And again, is it completely earned? No. But the idea of a guy that's kind of reformed and wants to do better, while also kind of at its core, like taking over this town is kind of weird and kind of skeevy. But um, I think that could have been great. So I really, really would have liked to have seen way more from the whole like controlling Mos Espa plot of things, especially in the finale when everybody turns against him. All the crime families, it's like, Oh, okay. I guess that's the end of that storyline. It just didn't work. So, yeah, I wish they would have spent more time on that. He loses their allegiance very quickly. And a lot of the characters reference how Jabba wasn't like a nice daimo, but he was respected and feared. And I I was kind of waiting for them to reveal how Boba Fett gets the respect of the people he's trying to buy for control of. And they all betray him at the end. And, And I guess they're impressed that he can ride a Rancor. And maybe now they'll be nicer to him. But other than that, like he, we really don't get him like aligning the families or any of that stuff. Yeah, the show like presents the idea if he had just been a dick the whole time and like killed people and fed them to the rancor, that then they would have gone along with him. Because that's what they're used to. Yeah. But at the same time, like they can clearly see he's genuinely trying to make their living situation better. And then they all just want to murder him at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, okay, what's the message there? I don't know. Uh, and it kind of uh, ties into a question I want to ask you guys, because Fennec the entire time keeps telling him, you need to be feared. I mean, you're a Boba Fett. You know, you're a feared person in the galaxy. Uh, so you should kind of lean into that when it comes to being the new Daimo. And he's like, I don't want to. But that kind of, you know, I want to pose the question to you guys. I mean, what do you guys think of Fennec Shand uh, in this show? Because like I already said, you know, they teased her being basically the second lead and she has second billing the whole show. And somehow I just it it sucks to say, but I kept forgetting she was there because they really don't use her very well. And even though Boba's barely in his own damn show, she's like in it somehow even less. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Did Ming-Na Wen get anything good to do? Did you want more or did they completely botch this character? I mean, I think the fact that I missed her main episode and didn't notice it <laughs> should tell you everything I need to know about her. Um, She's so terribly underused in this show. All she has to do is say, hey, Boba, you should do this violent thing. And then him go, I'm not going to do that. He's like, okay, maybe next time. Okay, I'll see you after you're back to tank. (laughs) All right, go take a bath. (laughs) I'll wake you up tomorrow. That's my only role. Do you need a hot robe after you get out of your tank? (laughs) And then the last episode, you you lose her completely. Like, she'll, you just see her, like, shoot some people. And they're like, thank you, Fennec. And she's like, you're welcome. Then she just drives off one of those motorcycles. She had so much better action in season two of Mando. She did, yeah. Yeah, and even though I haven't seen it, uh, this is just such, <laughs> this was so funny to me in a bad way. It's just such like the epitome of this show and Fennec's use in it. Because I haven't watched The Bad Batch yet uh, on Disney Plus as well. But apparently in that show, Fennec Shand, and it takes place before Book of Boba Fett, Fennec Shand and Cad Bane have like a legendary, apparently, like battle that people were so stoked about. And then in this episode, the finale that takes place after that, Cad Bane shows up in this great scene where he and Boba are about to face off. And Fennec's involvement is literally she's holding her gun and she just peers out of the door in one scene, looking at Cad Bane, 
doesn't mention anything about it, doesn't say, oh, that's Cad Bane. I know him. I fought him. He doesn't say anything either. So it's like they're not even utilizing <laughs> her own canon from when she was like in a show last year. And they utilize everybody else's from the Clone <laughs> oh, Wars. Oh, they do. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. totally reasonable to assume that she should have that history. I want to go back really quick to one thing you said, Matt. You mentioned that Fennec is advising Boba to kind of lean into his reputation and maybe kind of the sinister things that kind of preside him. I actually kind of feel like he should have done that. I don't think of Boba Fett as this like benevolent good guy. I, I know they're trying to show that he's softened, but I don't really want Boba Fett to be like a hero. I like him more as, as kind of a loose villain that's interesting to learn more about. Yeah. I get what you're saying, Austin. I was kind of hoping that, too, because it, it kind of makes you forget, especially whenever his helmet's off, it makes you kind of forget that it is Boba Fett. And I think having him lean into the violent tendencies, honestly, would have probably propped the story a little bit in the character development. It would have been really great to see Fennec advise him to do that, and then maybe Boba, like, just like uh, Stephen Root, the guy from the water episode, the one that's, like, hoarding all the water or whatever, or maybe he was, like, charging tax on I can't remember. Like, maybe he finally has enough and, like, he goes after that guy and, like, brutally assaults him and he thinks, like, he's helping the people, but then people witness it and they're like, oh, my God, he's terrifying. And then maybe Boba has a moment where he actually is like, I don't, I don't like what I did there. I, I, I didn't like that. So it's like they don't need to make him, like, an all-good character, an all-bad character. But like you said, Austin, they definitely should have at least, like, played with his own history a little bit, like, his own, like, the stuff that he's used to doing, like maybe if they had had a scene like that and then he was able to reflect on how it made him feel and he's like, never again, that did not feel good, don't want to do that. That would have made me like the character more. Whereas in this show, I just like I was watching him do things. I wasn't really super invested. I was just like, that's a great way to yeah. put it. Yeah. Because <laughs> if, if, I'm, if I'm living in Tatooine, which I hope I never am, but if I am <laughs> and I hear that Boba Fett's in charge now and I know the legend of Boba Fett, that he's this fearsome bounty hunter. Then I see him walking through the streets surrounded by colorful mopeds. That's so out of juxtaposition with, with this character's lore to me. Very weird. Um, I know for like the last few years, especially with the sequel trilogy, you keep hearing about like, that's not my Star Wars. Like, ugh, I can't believe they put that in. Like, God, they would never do that. Even I a little bit, I will admit, was like, <laughs> seeing the colorful mopeds and like all like the cyborg people, I was like, huh, never expected I would see that in Star Wars. I liked some of it, but a lot of it I was like, I never really fully bought into it. It was a little strange. Kind of another big part of the story that we haven't really talked about yet, which I think is kind of a sign of how it's used in the show, but definitely worth talking about, is um, the Pikes, who is, uh, I guess I don't know what I would call them. I mean, or like what they do, like they're this... Alien race, I don't know if we've seen in Star Wars before. I'm not familiar with them. And guys, you're going to have to help me a little bit here. Because of how the show is paced and structured, I know they're introduced with the train stuff in the flashbacks. And they're trying to run Spice, whatever that is. But I kept forgetting how bad they were. We didn't know until the finale that they were the ones that actually killed the Tusken Raiders. So I was like, oh. But yeah, like they became like weirdly the main villains of the show because Boba, along with the Tusken Raiders, like stop their spice operation and then like separately Cobb Vanth is also trying to do that and then they're just like sitting in a room the entire time in the finale just like oh no B Boba I have no idea like they're the main villains I guess but I have no idea what they're doing and like I don't know I just found them very confusing like yes they run spice but that, like that's all I learned about them 
but they were in it a fair amount. So I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Very strange to me. <laughs> it sounds like they're like a business faction, I guess, because they're very concerned about profit and their margins and all that stuff. Um, I was confused about their ties to the syndicate. I guess they're a faction of the syndicate. I don't know what the syndicate is. Am I alone here? I maybe I'm like maybe I'm mixing up like my knowledge of the past films with like stuff I've read in the last few weeks in terms of like namings. But isn't the syndicate the um the name of the organization that Paul Bettany ran in Solo that Kira mm. took over? I thought that was the syndicate. And that's why the entire show and they brought it up. And maybe I'm just completely wrong. But I thought whenever they were talking about the head of the syndicate, like Cad Bane seemed scared of them. The Pike seemed scared. I thought Amelia Clark was going to show up in, like, in the finale or something as like the leader of this organization. Maybe I'm completely off there, but I feel like we've heard the name before and I thought it was in Solo. Maybe I'm wrong there. I will say regardless if I'm right or not, it was very weird, kind of like you said, Austin. It just seems like the Pikes are just a branch of this thing because they keep talking about the hierarchy and who's in charge, but they never show that. They just show the Pikes who like run Spice sometimes. and I don't know what else they're doing. And the ties to the, the Clone Wars and the animated stuff in, in the Mandoverse is really cool for the fans that are really into those shows. That's awesome that they get to see those stories continue. And I, I'm not saying that you have to cater all the time to mainstream fans who don't seek out every little piece of Star Wars that there is. But sometimes it's stuff like this where you're introducing these organizations. As someone who doesn't follow the animated shows of Star Wars, I need a bit more explanation. And I think they just assume everybody watched the animated show. I don't need a whole episode dedicated to people's backstories. But if they found a way to kind of work in just loose explanations without having to go pause the show and research every time a new character walks into a scene, I think that would make some of these shows a lot more accessible. And it's funny because the reason I think somebody like Cad Bane worked, I knew who he was when he showed up because I've seen pictures of him online, because I've heard that name before in relation to Clone Wars, even though I've never seen it. But they did a good job with that character because he was so simple. He was like an even older guy than Boba Fett who's still basically a bounty hunter. He got paid really handsomely by the Pikes and the Syndicate, so he's going to do their own business. He's a badass fighter. So when Cobb Vanth is like screwing around with the spice, he's like, all right, I'm going to go kill that guy. And now Boba Fett's messing with the operation. Okay, I know Boba Fett, but I'm going to go kill him because I got paid money to do it. And like he gave a really good performance, so it's like I was able to buy into him so easily. And he was barely on screen, but then the Pikes and like everything else going on with like all the families, it's like, it's just so confusing because the pacing of the show is just so off in general. And they tried to make it more kind of interesting than it was. Like there wasn't that much going on with it, but I couldn't follow it. So I don't know. Maybe they should have simplified it a little bit. Well, and like this show is so heavily tied to the Mandalorian show that maybe the Pikes and the Syndicates should have come up there and we would have had a bit more background because they introduced everybody else from the Mandalorian show. So maybe there just should have been a bit more carryover with the villains there. All right, guys. Well, I know we've brought it up uh, constantly uh, in this recording because uh, Boba Fett had to bring it up constantly. The Mandalorian of it all, if we want to put it that way. I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room. Austin, I know you feel strongly about how this is weird because it's a Boba Fett show, but it's also a Mandalorian show. So if you want to set this up. Yeah, I mean, this is what I was referencing at the beginning, where the Mandalorian stuff is the only aspect of the Book of Boba Fett that I was interested in. I thought these were the best character moments. It was really cool to see the continuation from Mandalorian Season 2. We got more lore with the Mandalorian stuff and the Darksaber. We got to see where Grogu's at. We got to see some more Jedi stuff. I thought the Mandalorian stuff was great in this show. 
probably should have been in its own Mandalorian show. It's very weird that the book of Boba Fett is basically like a mid-season show between Mandalorian season two and Mandalorian season three. Yeah, I'm with you. I really liked the episode five, Return of the Mandalorian. Oh. That's probably one of my one of my top episodes. Dude, uh, it was great. Yeah, it, it was, was awesome. so great. When that episode starts, and it's just like, where the hell are we? This is not Tatooine. They're like in this weird like space version of almost like a butcher shop. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then like you see those like weird like transparent flaps that you see in like grocery stores, and it's like, huh? And then it's like, oh, there's Boba Fett. He's sitting on the other side, and then. The Mandalorian walks through. I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So cool. And I liked all this stuff with him and uh, his other Mando counterparts. And yeah, that was sad. That fight. And he, yeah, he kind of gets banished from the, uh, from the Creed or whatever they call it. I think they're doing a great job at setting up the plot in Mandalorian Season 3, though. Sounds yeah. like we're going to Mandalore, baby. We're going to so. find those mines. We're going to get some redemption for taking my helmet off. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad to see that Mando's teaming back up with Boba, but I I definitely think this season should have just been straight Boba if they really wanted to explain him. Yeah. I'm glad Mando was in the show and Grogu because it gave me stuff that I was actually interested in. Like I, if, if Mandalorian's sure. not in the show, I would have absolutely not been like remotely invested in the book of Boba Fett. I mean, I guess that's a good thing in, in some level that they did a good job with the Mandiverse stuff, but they probably should have just found a way to tell a more interesting Boba Fett story. Well, and the weird thing is, like, if you look at the finale in a vacuum, you could have had all of that be the exact same and still taken out the last two episodes that were just about the Mandalorian and Grogu and just put more character development for Boba Fett, Fennec Shant, and all the, like, supporting characters. And then Mando can still show up in the finale and still help him because, like, Boba or Fennec called him. Like, that was what was weird to me, is he gets his own full episode in episode five Fennec shows up and is like, Boba needs your help. And he's like, all right, I'll do it for free. I'm Pedro Pascal. And then episode <laughs> six is like another full episode yeah. of the Mando, which shocked me. And then the finale is them fighting together. Because I'll be honest, I think one of the underappreciated relationships we haven't talked about yet is Pedro Pascal just as like a voice actor, essentially. And Tamara Morrison's like chemistry is so good. Watching them fight together and like get ready to fight together in the finale was probably my favorite part of the entire thing. Yeah. Them them getting ready to fight was really cool in the conversation they had about I made you an oath and all that. Their actual fight I thought was really lame though. Mm, really? Mm-hmm. I was actually all one they do thing is I take, did like. Take cover behind a speeder for the most part. Like half the fight is just them taking cover and like pointing the little blasters over the edge, like hoping they hit something. <laughs> I was not impressed with that at all. I like the first half of that fight when they send the tailhead guy out the there. The jetpacks is cool. Yeah. And, they, and, they're, and they're up in the air with the jetpacks and tailhead is, you know, kind of their uh, distraction, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then right after they come back down with the jetpacks and they're like, they're back to back and shooting. I thought that looked really cool. And the Boba Fett knee rockets, guys, those will Ooh. never get old, in my opinion. You know, this Mando has his own knee rockets now. He didn't shoot them, but I saw he had some rockets on his knees. All right. Season three. Get ready. Keith, I got to know, did you enjoy watching Mando take his Naboo cruiser through Beggar's Canyon. I loved it. Oh, man. I that was incredible. <laughs> that was awesome. That was some good nostalgia right there. I don't even care about the Razor Crest anymore. That thing looks sweet. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you, I think. Yeah. Whenever the, yeah, whenever Pelimoto showed him what she was working on and, I was, and they revealed the ship, I was like, it's little Annie's little Nab- Naboo ship. And it was like the literal course little Annie ran in uh, the pod race. I mean, it was- yeah. It was fun fan service, in my opinion. I got to say, I'm really 
really worn down on the Palimoto character. I do not need another second of screen time for this one. What are you doing? You just got here. Don't be talking like that. <laughs> I don't know what it is, Austin. You are absolutely not in the minority. I know people are not a fan of the Pelimoto character. I love Amy Sedaris, and I don't know what it is. The character somehow works for me. She just feels so different than anything else in Star Wars. I would never begrudge anybody for not liking her or finding her annoying, but I don't know. Somehow I find her a little bit endearing, but... <laughs> She is kind of annoying, so I, I, I get it. I get it. I laughed my ass off whenever her tooth fell out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that kind of covers uh, that main The Return of the Mandalorian episode, but I know we've talked about Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, but we haven't really talked too much about like what they did story-wise in that sixth episode, which is the one that like largely took place on whatever planet Luke and Grogu and Ahsoka were on. What'd you guys think of that one? Because that one, that's one that surprised me. Because after we got the fifth one that was all Mandalorian, I thought the next episode was just going to be Mando and Boba fighting. But then we get another very heavy Mandalorian, like, follow-up to season two story with Luke and Grogu. No idea that that was going to be in this show. Again, I don't think it should have been, but the content I thought was just so good. I mean, watching Grogu train was... So fun. Uh, at moments, it was kind of sad watching Luke, even though it's a very robotic voice, kind of see him post, not last Jedi post, like immediately after Return of the Jedi, trying to like train the new Jedi is pretty fascinating. And I got to say, I mean, this episode had no idea it was coming. Really enjoyed it. Again, shouldn't have been in a Boba Fett show, but it got me really, really pumped for Mando season three. It's honestly really cool watching him build the school knowing where he ends up in Last Jedi. It's just fun to have that context. And that, like you said, that should not be in the Boba Fett show. Really enjoyed it. It was cool that they kind of brought in like the training droids that the Padawans used before they were murdered by Anakin um, and, and seeing him like get more comfortable with the Force. The biggest thing, though, that comes out of this is the choice between the Mandalorian Arbor or the lightsaber. And that feels like a really consequential choice that should probably be in the Mandalorian show, not in the Book of Boba Fett show. To me, that really felt like a great moment because that was the end of the episode. And it was like, okay, we're going to revisit this at the beginning of Mandalorian season three. I was absolutely shocked that in the next episode, the finale, Grogu shows up and he's already made the choice. I'm kind of, I, I wish Grogu would have stayed with Luke. I didn't like him coming back with Mando. I was hoping that that story would be over and Mando would go on to do some other independent shit. I, I kinda, I'm just kind of tired of the whole Grogu Mando relationship. I, think, I thought it was good. In Mando season one and two, but I'm, I was hoping that that would be it once Luke picked them up and they had their own thing. And I'm glad I'm glad we got what we got with Luke and, and Grogu on on that new planet. But I think I think they should have made Grogu not even had that choice to begin with. That, that should have been it. Mando should have gone to the planet, given him the gift, and that should have been it for that story. I don't think we needed Grogu to come back. Well, it really kind of undoes the whole crux of season two of the Mandalorian. I mean, that was the entire 100%. point was getting him yeah. reunited with the Jedi. Um, and I, I was really excited, actually, Keith, in, in Mandalorian season three, not to have the Mandalorian and Grogu relationship back, but to really dive into like what it looks like for Grogu to become a Jedi, because that seemed like the path we were on. It kind of seems like we're robbed of some really cool expanding the Jedi lore moments and actually seeing a Jedi like grow up with an actual mentor in training who's not involved in like the Clone Wars or any of the stuff um, in, the, in the original movies. And they were building for that in that episode with the CGI Luke 
running with him on his back, like just like Luke did with Yoda on, cool. on his back. Yeah. And and then Luke was talking to him. You remind me of an old Jedi, Yo- Jedi Master Yoda, blah, blah, blah. He spoke in riddles. He spoke <laughs> He spoke in riddles to my no, friend Biggs. Like, he spoke in riddles. <laughs> Ahsoka's just like, you're so much like your father. And his response is like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was building towards that decision, Austin, for Grogu to go on and be with Luke and become a Jedi. And then that was all taken away. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody that didn't watch Boba Fett just because... I don't know. Maybe they're a big Mandalorian fan, but they missed this. I envy that person. I wish I could be that person. <laughs> they watched the season two finale with this like really beautiful, sad tearjerker moment of um, Din Djarin taking off his mask so he can say goodbye to Grogu properly. And then he goes away with Luke Skywalker and then cut two years later and they're watching season three. And it's just the episode opens and Mando's flying his ship and then Grogu's in the back like, what? That person's going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) You know, it is weird, though, because I mean, like, kind of like you said, Austin, it was so cool to see. First of all, R2-D2, best boy, always love seeing him. Um, And watching them, like, use the same architecture that we saw in Last Jedi for, like, the actual buildings was really cool. Spider droids were a bit much. Yeah, the the other droids were, I was like, well, I've never seen that before. (laughs) Um, But... I have thought about it, and while I think um, Grogu choosing to go back to Mando this quickly is going to be really weird for the start of Season 3, I do think, thinking about Luke Skywalker's journey, it does make it a little bit more interesting, because you might be able to make like the meta argument that like Luke Skywalker just you know went through what he did in Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader's his father watches him die, uh, and he kind of redeems himself at the last minute, but also doesn't, and Luke has to deal with that, and now Luke is the only Jedi left, and he has like the full responsibility of rebuilding the Order. And then he comes across this little kid, Grogu, who looks exactly like his own Master Yoda, and he's like, oh, this is perfect, this is like the universe giving me a sign, this is the Force telling me that this is my first student. And at the first moment where he offers Grogu the moment to like, you know, should you say or should you go, he leaves. So I think you could argue that this is pretty interesting for Luke's journey. And it kind of makes more sense even why he's at where he is in The Last Jedi. Because I think the second Ben Solo comes into the picture, he's going to go even harder to make sure he never leaves his side. And then, of course, in Last Jedi, the second Ben Solo tries to start communicating with the dark side and Snoke, he tries to kill him. And that's what turns him into Kylo Ren. So I will say, I thought it was really goofy, the pacing-wise, how they handled it. But I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. I kind of understand even more so why Luke is where he's at a few years later in Last Jedi. Yeah, I think, though, that they've now kind of set up the only student we can see Luke work with is Ben Solo. Because we don't have another student that we're invested in. Like, we spent two seasons with Grogu. We kind of know him. So it's really cool to have, like, we can see him build the school with a new character that we kind of know. Whereas now we have to bring in Ben Solo. I feel like that's the only way we can go with the school storyline now. And we know where Ben Solo ends up. Like I was excited to see what Grogu is going to look like as a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And now I don't think we're, it doesn't seem like we're, maybe we will, but it it doesn't seem like we're headed down that path anymore. It's still possible. It's still possible. Cause I mean, if we think about, again, I'm not joking. I love the hypocrisy of Luke Skywalker as a character. I like how he feels like a real person where he's like, he's trying to be this good teacher but at the same time, he's like completely opposing his own actions. Like he's telling Grogu, you can't have attachments. That's not the Jedi way. 
Yet, the second Yoda, who looks like Roku, obviously, poses the question in Empire, Luke, you need to stay here and finish your training. He's like, no, I can sense that Leia and Han are in trouble. I have to go to Cloud City and save them. And then he comes back like a year later to finish his training. So it's like, he's being a hypocrite. Like Luke went ahead and like went to save his friends. And he posted the question to Grogu, and Grogu obviously chooses to go help Mando. Isn't that going to be really disappointing, though, if that's Grogu's story in season three, as Mando realizes, oh, I need to take you back to Luke? Yeah, it will be. And I'm nervous that is what it's going to be. But they could still lean into that to, like, do the Jedi storyline if they want to show it. But, you know, after seeing the book of Boba Fett that was, like, more of a Mando show than Boba Fett, I don't know what Mando season three is going to be. Like, is it going to be him having to be a Jedi again? Will that be most of the episodes? Who the hell knows? We're going to have to get used to Mark Hamill's CGI upper lip again. Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's kind of get into the future of all these characters, because my prediction for season three of, of Mando is we're headed to the planet Mandalore. We've spent so much time setting that up. I feel like we got to go there. I have no clue what you do with Boba Fett, though, after this kind of lackluster season. Honestly, you could just help him, probably. You can help him take Mandalore. I think it might be as simple as that. Because, I mean, that's really what Boba did in season two. He really just, like, got his armor back and then was like, I owe you, so I'll help you, like, save the kid. And then he went to Tatooine. Mando shows up to help him, does it for free, because they're buddies. So, like, I honestly just think season three could start, and it's like, uh, Boba shows up and is like, Mando's like, why are you here? Why are you helping us take Mandalore? And he's like, because you helped me. Like, we're buddies. Like, I'll help you. Like, it's honestly, it could be just as simple as that. I think it's going to be, like, the same thing as the finale. I think we're going to see a lot more action of them together. He's going to help him take Mandalore. I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be much more to his character, but that's what I suspect story-wise we'll see from him next. Is Boba Fett showing up with Timothy Oliphant? I mean, Timothy Oliphant's a big question. Because, I mean, he's the mid credit scene. What a weird mid credit scene. <laughs> Very weird. Maybe uh, Boba will leave Cobb Vanth in charge of Mos Espa so Boba can go on to the Outer Rims. God, I hope so. Please, take me away from Tatooine. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like, Keith, because like they kept setting up like Cobb Vanth is kind of, I don't know, like he's the marshal, but he's always going to fight for what's right. And he's going to stop the crime. So he kind of feels like maybe a more natural leader. And with him like getting shot and then also in the back to tank, I think that's what they're setting up. Um, but that kind of begs the question, because if he puts Cobb Vanth in charge, I know we're talking about Mando season three because of how much Mando is in this show. I mean, is there a situation where we get, I know it sounds crazy, the book of Boba Fett season two? Like, is there going to be another just Boba story where they only focus on him because they heard everybody's criticism? Or are we only going to see him as a side character from now on? With how much they like flashback to Kamino in this season, I would think we would see more of Boba Fett's story. I don't know if it's in his own show, though. Maybe maybe they find a way to carve out time for that in the Mandalorian show. Uh, what about Ahsoka? Her involvement, Ugh. I was also not expecting in this show. I think that was just to remind people that Ahsoka's getting her own show. <laughs> but now, <laughs> is that show just going to be like Mando's in every episode, Luke Skywalker's in every episode? Like, is that show actually going to be about Ahsoka? I mean, no offense to Tamara Morrison, but Rosario Dawson is a bit more of a high caliber actress. I highly doubt she would assign on to a show where they're like, hey, by the way, we're giving four episodes to Pedro Pascal. <laughs> I would assume that in her contract, she's getting her own show and it's her own story. I hope we get an Ahsoka pre-Mandalorian time. Like how she ended up on that Yeah, how she planet. ended up on that planet whenever Mando meets her. Yeah, that'll be interesting. And it's like, do they lean into like the pre-Clone Wars and prequels era stuff for flashbacks? Because 
Something we didn't talk about. I mean, I thought it was really cool seeing the Grogu flashback to Order 66. That was awesome. Do we see anything else like that? Does that become a storyline? I don't know. I think I think what we have to accept going forward is that Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, Mandalorian, and whatever other spin-off shows, they're going to be way more tied together than I think we thought going into Book of Boba Fett. I think we all expected seven episodes of Boba Fett's story to take over Tatooine, whereas in reality, it's kind of just a Mandalorian spinoff show where they have to put Mandalorian in so people watch it. Uh, so I think we should expect that going forward and maybe we'll like them more. Yeah, I mean, they have built out the Mandoverse pretty effectively. Like, it's still fun to see Mando pop up in this. Um, so if they find interesting ways to work him into the story, like, I'm happy to see him pop up wherever he needs to be. I just think we need to spend a lot more time if we're going to build a show around a different person then that character probably needs to be the forefront of the show. I think they just kind of ran out of, of steam with the Boba Fett story, though. All right, guys, before we close out, it is time yet again to give out some awards. The Oscars are coming up soon. They just announced nominations. And I know I've said it a lot, but it really is true. The Oscars don't matter. The Razzies don't matter. The Golden Globes don't matter. The only award that anybody out there should want to achieve is the Arnie Podcast Award. So please, my friends. Who's being awarded today? All right. I got an award. This is the Godzilla slash King Kong Award. And this goes to the Rancor because it definitely felt like Godzilla when he was just prouncing through town in Mos Esba. Then he climbs a tower. I'm like, oh my God, they're not going to do that, are they? Is he going to get on top of that tower and start like pounding his chest like King Kong? I really thought it was coming. I was about to turn the TV off if they did that. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't finish it. Then then Kyle Chandler just comes out of nowhere and puts it down. No. My award ties into yours a little bit, Keith. And I think once I say the name, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. I had no inkling this could happen in the world of Star Wars. But my award today is, of course, for the most unexpected cameo. And that's for Danny Trejo as the Rancor trainer. (laughs) I was like, is he going to come back in the finale with the Rancor stuff? He didn't. He just showed up briefly to like smile and nod at Bobo whenever he petted the Rancor a couple times. And I got to say, incredible. I'm going to give the, is this an insult question mark award? And it's to the term tailhead. Someone calls Twi'lek a tailhead and he looks offended. But then later on, Palimoto says, hey, nice tails. And he looks very pleased that she commented on his tails. So I just got to know, is tailhead an insult in the world of Star Wars? It just depends on the phrasing, I guess. I mean, Pelimoto had sex with a with a with a Jawa. Apparently, <laughs> she said so. She's just a very open person to anything. So I think I think the Twilight was able to see through her, and he was able to see her true nature. <laughs> I'm actually going to change my award to the fan art I never want to see. Oh. That's Pelimoto and a Jawa going <laughs> <No>! out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that. So continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where we ever get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for some more TV talk. We'll be covering season one of James Gunn and John Cena's The Suicide Squad follow-up with Peacemaker on HBO Max since the finale is airing next week. Looking forward to that, guys. Can't wait to talk Peacemaker with you guys. I'm excited. I'm loving that show. It'll be fun to talk about a good show on this podcast.
I've not started it yet, but I'm, I'm starting it tonight. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Keith, I'll give you a spoiler. Mando does not appear in Peacemaker. Well, we haven't seen the finale yet. Is Danny Trejo in it, at least? Yep, all episodes. That's good enough for me. And lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What did you think of the book of Boba Fett? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. We'll see you next week for Peacemaker. Hope you enjoyed Book of Boba Fett. Or if you didn't, let us know. See you next time. John Favreau, please. It's a big galaxy. We got to be able to go somewhere other than Tatooine. (laughs) 